Hello, church. This is uh, Jeff Sadler. I'm here with Jonathan Dandy. We're at the uh, the new Southwest Church studio, uh, taking over the library, and uh, we decided with everything going on, since we're not able to teach right now, uh, we'd start trying our hand at a podcast uh, to deliver the message. So say hi, Jonathan. Hello. <laughs> and uh, we got a producer, uh, Sam Mears, here doing all the uh, audio techie stuff, which is awesome. Uh, if you didn't know, Sam actually has a degree doing this kind of stuff, so uh, he's been incredible. But uh, yeah, uh, when we started planning for this class, uh, I know we knew there were going to be some challenges. I had some travel planned. You had some travel planned to China, actually. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, and then right at the beginning of the quarter, and you got sick when I was traveling, so we had uh, Ken fill in. Uh, but I don't think we anticipated this kind of challenges. <laughs> A little different schedule than we uh, set out to do. So we've I've got our class outline that I've now crossed a line through. <laughs> uh, we're going to try and cover all the same material, but the uh, when it's going to happen is going to be a little different. So, um, basically, we're, we're here. The, the class is titled uh, "Minor Prophets, Major Message." Did I get that right? Yep. Yep. All right. Great. So, but we're not going to tackle all of the minor prophets. There's just too too many to fit into a quarter. Uh, so, specifically, uh, we're going to talk about Jonah, which which Ken did the first week. I hope you're able to catch that. If not, I, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that online on the, the church website. But uh, what we're going to uh, this podcast is going to be addressing the introduction to the minor prophets, and we're going to cover some historical background, and then get into Hosea, Obadiah, Amos, Micah, and Nahum. So those are the the prophets that we've selected, more or less chronological. There's a lot of debate, some, uh, but most of these are addressing the situation when Israel is not, it's not yet uh, been taken into captivity. So. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, you got a divided nation. You've got pestilence, death, war, locust plagues. Are we talking about the minor prophets, or are we just reading the headlines today? <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's uh, sounds familiar. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. I mean, when you look over some of the topics and the material that we're going to get into, uh, it's very easy to just kind of cast this aside as you know outdated and old. Uh, but I think. You'll find as you go through this with us uh, that so much of what is in there is relevant today. And, and not just from the standpoint that, you know, yeah, Joel talks about locusts and, you know, a locust plague. And sure, if you look at the headlines, there's actually, a, you know, one of the worst locust plagues going on in Africa and moving its way up the Middle East right now. And, and it's, it's really amazing to see some of that. And, and when you read through, it just kind of brings the, the text to life. But uh, even beyond just the geopolitical stuff, uh, when you look at the message, God's message for the people and what God was trying to communicate to the people through the prophets, uh, it, it's very relevant for today. So I, I hope you stick with us through this. You know, I was thinking about it, and I think there's probably a rule somewhere where if you start a podcast, the last thing you want to do is start with the minor prophets. Um, I think that's a rule somewhere, but we're doing it anyways. Uh, so we'll just see where this goes. This will be great. So this will be great. But but thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we we've really spent a lot of time studying this, and we're just really excited to have this conversation and just kind of get this material out there, just so you can consider it and and hopefully uh, dig into your Bibles and get a new appreciation for some of these books. So we're we're really excited to to have the opportunity to do this. So yeah, one of the the reasons that. I got interested in studying the minor prophets and, and uh, a little over a year ago, wasn't it, Jeff? And I, I mentioned to you uh, wanting to look into it a little bit more. So we have this game that we play after dinner every night. And the game is, is in general, usually I'll read a chapter from the Bible, and then the kids will go in increasing age order and have to guess what, chap what book it is. Mm -hmm. And 
what happened is every once in a while, I, you know, I gradually have let the kids read a chapter uh, from time to time. And I found that that uh, one or two of my kids realized if I read from the minor prophets, I'm going to stump them all. So I'm like, all right. So there's a little bit of extra motivation there. I mean, it might, might not be the best of reasons, but it's I'm really glad that it's pushed me to try and uh, get into the minor prophets and, and start to learn how to tell them apart. And uh, I found it a really rewarding experience as we've dug in and I've, I've been talking with Jeff to uh, prepare for this class. It's uh, it's. It's been a surprising treasure, really, um, about how relevant it is to the world today and how well it does at revealing just the beauty of God's plan and his desire for a relationship with his people. And um, I've been really encouraged. And so, uh, yeah, before we jump right in, though, I, I do want to highlight a few of our reference materials that, that uh, we've been using. So, uh, one one is the Bible Project. If you haven't checked out the Bible Project, you really should. They've got a, a, a ton of really good videos going through book by book, Old Testament, New Testament, and they've built on that, and they've got a lot of really other interesting studies on words and concepts and themes throughout the Bible, so I really want to recommend you check that out. That out. Uh, so we've been taking a look at that. That's uh, BibleProject.com, and I don't know if we have the technology to link that when we post this, but uh, our producer's nodding his head, so... I think maybe we can link that on the site, but yeah, I highly encourage it, uh, not just for the minor prophets, but they do uh, incredible uh, series and videos on all the books of the Bible, uh, as well as just uh, some common themes and topics. So uh, if you have some time while you're uh, you know, stuck at home, quarantined, uh, staying at home and staying safe, uh, that's a, it's a great way to spend time. And uh, even the kids get engaged for those that have kids. Uh, they, they really enjoy that. The artwork is just amazing. Uh, so highly encourage that. Absolutely. And then uh, I've been looking at a couple of commentaries uh, by Warren Worsby. Uh, be Amazed covers Jonah, Hosea, Nahum, and Be Concerned is one that covers Obadiah, Amos, and Micah. And I, one of the things I really like about Worsby's commentary series is they're, they're heavy hitting. They've got some, some good material in them, but they're written so that they're pretty easy to read still. A lot of commentaries can be hard to, uh, to dig through, but these are really accessible commentaries, and I would recommend those as well. Agreed. And then uh, another one I found, uh, it's this book called The Hidden Prophets of the Bible, Finding the Gospel in Hosea through Malachi. Uh, the author's name is Michael Williams. Uh, I kind of stumbled across that uh, through Faith Life uh, on their website. And I've been reading through the ebook, and I, I really appreciate it. He does a phenomenal job of tying in uh, each of these books, each of these prophets to the gospel message. Uh, and so if you've ever read, for those with kids, if you've ever read through the Jesus Storybook Bible, uh, that's another one. If you've read that, you know that, that what amazed me about that book is like they take all these stories that you're familiar with, like Jonah, uh, you know, and being swallowed by a whale and everything. And they find a way in like the simplest way, you know, the, the simplest, you know, way to communicate, you know, to a child's level, how these stories tie into Christ and how so many of these stories foreshadow Christ. And uh, Michael Williams, I think, has done a very good job of kind of digging deeper into the prophets, uh, but tying in that message to Christ and what it means for us, for the gospel. Uh, so that's another one, kind of like Wearsby. Uh, it, it's not an academic book. It's very accessible. You can pick it up, read it. He does a, a great job uh, from the, the ones that I've read through so far uh, of really tying that in in a way that's very easy to, to understand. And it's, it's, all, it's really helped me. Uh, I've, already, I've always enjoyed uh, the minor props. I shouldn't say always. Uh, the last several years, I've really started to gain a, a deeper appreciation. But uh, that book has helped me dig even deeper and, and see it in a way uh, that I hadn't even you know necessarily picked up on in, in some of these books before. So 
It's another one I encourage you to, to check out if you're looking for something to read uh, over the next few weeks, months. All right, so let's let's jump right in. Uh, today we're introducing the Minor Prophets kind of collectively as a group. And, uh, you know, one of the, the questions that uh, comes to mind uh, as, you, as you think through the Minor Prophets, what are, what are some of the themes, ideas, what are some of the, the, the recurring types of things that you encounter in the Minor Prophets? And I mean, I know I always think judgment's like one of the first things that pops into mind. That's right. It seems like the, the, the God sends the prophets when there's, uh, uh, when there's sin that needs to be reconciled and judgment's coming, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely, definitely a common theme that, that we've got right there. Um, and this is the idea of punishment, this idea of an exile's coming is, is, is a really big theme here in the Minor Prophets. And with that, a call to repent, too. I mean, the... For the most part, and there's a, there's some exceptions, but the prophets usually come on the scene to say, hey, this is the judgment that's coming, but you need to repent. You need to change. This is how you need to change. This is what you need to change. That's right. And and it, they're making the, the people that they're uh, prophesying to, they're making them aware of the sin. I think that uh, so often there's a tendency to not really recognize the sin in your life, and that was definitely true back then, and the prophets kind of made it, tried to make it more obvious and more apparent. One of the really surprising things that is really right up there on the list of recurring themes in the Minor Prophets is hope. And at, at first, it doesn't really seem like it fits in because there's so many, uh, so much judgment about these are all the things you've done wrong, and this is what's going to happen because of it. Uh, but it's really um, a common theme, and um, it's, it's in every book. There's no book that doesn't have uh, some element of hope to it. And that's something I find really encouraging and um, really beautiful, really. We learn a lot about God uh, by the inclusion of hope so so readily in the Minor Prophets. I agree. I mean, that's one of the things that's drawn me to the Minor Prophets is so much, especially when you look at the time that is spent often detailing the sins and the issues and the problems, you see the depravity of Israel and Judah and the level that they got to. Yet, despite that, despite their frequent rebellions, ignoring the warnings, God still preserves this remnant. He still is constantly, you know, putting this hope out there. Um, and it's encouraging to me because, you know, it's easy to read these and look back on the Israelites and just be like, ah, those Israelites were so messed up. Uh, but the more that I've studied them, the more I realized, you know, how much we have in common with them. Uh, both the historical setting, the time that they lived, uh, we'll, and we'll talk about that in a future episode, but uh, I think you'll find that they, they have a lot more in common with us today than uh, you might think. And with that, again, is when you see the point that they got to, yet that God was willing to offer that hope and to put that hope out there. And then we see through history, too, the way that played out to where God did preserve that remnant, and it was through, you know, the, after the exile and, and after they came back uh, in the south in Judah— uh, that eventually Christ was born through that lineage, through that uh, that line of David, uh, that really truly brings the brightest light and the brightest hope to the rest of the world. Uh, and, and so starting to see that in the prophets, uh, it, it's really, really encouraging. Absolutely. And the, you know, maybe there's someone out there listening that says, well, what do you mean? What do you mean about this hope? You know, Jeff mentioned the there's a consistent uh, pointing forward towards Jesus and as our ultimate hope and the ultimate answer to all of these problems. But uh, just looking through the book, some more examples of the hope. I mean, when you take a look at the book of Jonah, it's all about second chances. Uh, Jonah tried to run away from God and uh, 
was given a second chance on death's door to, you know, to, to try it again. Yep. And, uh, and he does better the second time. Um, and uh, Nineveh gets a second chance through Jonah's message. And then even afterwards, God's still trying to correct and shape Jonah and give him further chances to uh, just correct his heart and his attitude towards all these people that repented, and he's upset about it. So uh, all, all kinds of second chances going on in the book of Jonah. Uh, you see it too. I mean, uh, Hosea is another book we're going we're gonna to be looking at, and uh, there's uh, the story is of a wife that leaves her husband, and the husband goes and gets her back. And he says, let's, let's try this again. Let's, we're not, I'm not going to give up on you. We're going to keep trying. And that's, that's an example of, of what God does for the nation of Israel. And it's so tempting to read that and read ourselves into Hosea's position of, you know, reaching out to the, oh, yeah. the sinners and everything. But uh, you'll, you realize when you dig into that that we're, we're his wife. We're the Gomer. Uh, it's a lovely, lovely name. Well, you know, if you're if you're <laughs> if you're gonna be part of a of a of a living out a parable, yeah, kind of like yeah. Hosea is, you'd really like to play the part of God, right? I mean, wouldn't you pick that part Absolutely. first? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's uh, yeah, maybe not the most appropriate one when we really really look at our lives and, and where we are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so and uh, you know, so here's here's a verse from Hosea that, that really illustrates this. Hosea three five says, uh, Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. Uh, I mean, there's, there's just no question there. That's just so, um, I don't know, I, that's got to be encouraging. You know, you, you, in the, you, you think about, you know, the, the, we've talked about the nation that's kind of gone away from God. Uh, there's still a remnant around. And I imagine if you were one of those people that uh, still, made an attempt to honor God counterculturally, that these words would have to be really encouraging to you uh, as, as something to grab onto. Yep. Yeah, and we're going to see the same message continue through Micah. And, you know, Micah's, there, there's other examples uh, in the Minor Prophets, but Micah's a good example where not only do we see this foreshadowing of Christ, but there's also explicit prophecies about the coming of Christ. Uh, you know, for example, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, uh, where it says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrath, uh, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And so right there you have an explicit uh, prophecy about Christ, uh, which to them I don't think they really fully understood and appreciated what that meant. Uh, but then also throughout the book of Micah, um, there's there's also this hope, uh, like in four uh, chapter 4, verse 1, where he says, you know, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and people shall flow to it. So even for them, that would have been that that hope that regardless of what the prophets say is coming and what they live through, uh, they would be able to look back to those passages and cling to that hope of, you know, God has promised to deliver, uh, to, you know, make Israel great again, uh, and, and really, it goes back to the Abrahamic promise to bless all the nations uh, through Israel at a future time. Uh, so for them, you know, fast forward to the exile, uh, it's passages like these uh, that would have given them the hope to continue on and to know that uh, what God was doing for a purpose was for a purpose uh, and help them to endure the hardship that they had to suffer. That's right. So Amos is another example. Uh, he can't get away from the theme of hope either. Uh, he, he looks forward to a future restoration. Uh, Amos 9.15 says, I will plant them on their land, and they shall never again be uprooted out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. Uh, 
Nahum's a little tougher. <laughs> uh, Nahum's a pretty short book, and uh, it's, it's mostly about uh, final kind of uh, judgment on Assyria. Uh, obviously, Jonah's message wore off. Yeah, um, Nahum was the book that Jonah wanted to preach. <laughs> that's right. He would have loved to have preached Nahum. That was the message that was on his heart, but it was just not the right time. Uh, but even Nahum recognizes that, uh, that the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him uh, from chapter 1, verse 7. So still uh, acknowledging that God is able to, to protect and to provide a, a safe place in troubled times for those who, who seek him. Mm-hmm. So why do you think there's this constant theme of hope in all these books? You know, why do you think that, you know, time after time again, you know, when probably what needed to happen was, you know, uh, Israel, Judah, they needed to be disciplined. They needed, uh, they needed that, you know, punishment. But why do you think that message of hope is just so consistent throughout these books? Yeah, well, we, we've talked about a couple reasons already. Uh, one is encouragement to the, to those who are faithful, um, either, you know, concurrent with the, when the message was, was preached or, or even after the exile happened, that they had something hard and concrete to grab onto uh, that would let them know that things are going to get better. It's not always going to be like this. Um, another one is I think it, it teaches us a lot about God. And I think that's something that we want to we want to dive into and, and and keep our eyes open as we go through the minor prophets. What do we learn about God? And the, one of the first things is what do we learn about God through the inclusion of such hope in this time? And I think it's because He's faithful. Mm-hmm. He's He made a promise to Abraham and He made a promise to David. And even though He has a, a reason and a right to, um, you know, it, the people broke the covenant first, not God. Right. So he has a right to walk away from that, but he is so faithful, he's decided to, to stick with it. Mm-hmm. And he keeps reminding people of that, of, of that hope. And that, that's really where the hope comes from, is, right. is of God's eternal faithfulness. And that is one of the things that I've really grown to love about reading through and studying the Minor Prophets, is you get to see that side of God and that image of God. And there's so much we can learn about about God, about his nature, about what's important to him. Uh, you know, and I think oftentimes, especially in, in our culture and society today, the things that we get worked up about the most aren't necessarily the things that we see time and again throughout scripture that God is really concerned about. Um, you know, from a practical level, you know, I know I've, I've teased you, you know, about, you know, I see this in myself a lot as a, a, a parent where it's so easy often to get really, you know, upset at my kids, you know, when they're doing something that bothers me and they're kind of making me, you know, like right. uncomfortable or annoyed or whatever. Uh, and then sometimes when they do something that doesn't really affect me, but I can tell like it was an obvious, you know, flagrant sin against God's commands. It's just like, ah, you really shouldn't do that. But when they sin against me, oh man, it's just like, ah, you know, World War Three. Um, and I, and I think that's just part of human nature where it's easy for us to get, you know, really riled up today about certain things that, you know, bother us, bug us, make us uncomfortable. Uh, and some of those things, you know, they, it, you know, again, with my kids, a lot of times the kids are, they are, you know, not doing what they were told to do or they're, you know, misbehaving or whatever. Uh, but I think our response is not always appropriate to what we see for God, where there are certain things that God very clearly throughout scripture and throughout the minor prophets is very concerned about and things that, you know, time and again, not just Israel, but some of the other nations around Israel that he's condemning them for. Uh, And we look at some of those things and we just, you know, kind of like, well, yeah, we really shouldn't do that, but we really don't get fired up about it. Um, You know, like one of those themes, uh, the theme of exploiting the weak, Um, you know, think about that. How many times have you seen a story in the news about, you know, working conditions overseas and, 
this company is employing childhood labor or, you know, uh, exploiting their workers in this way. And we read that and we're just like, oh, well, somebody should do something about that, you know, but we just go right on buying those products and, you know, giving money to those companies and just turning a blind eye. Um, you know, we really, you don't see people getting, you know, across the board, getting up in arms about stuff like that. But time and again, you see how important that is to God, that especially those of us um, that are more well off, we have an obligation to look out for the weak, for the widows, the orphans, those that can't care for themselves. Um, yet how often do we get all fired up and, you know, start an online, you know, let's go boycott this company because, you know, their, you know, CEO said this or that, you know, and it, it, Again, it's it's not necessarily in line with what we see, the way God handles things, or the way God feels about some of these things. So that's a, another one of those messages I think we'll we'll start to pick up on as we go through some of this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that also highlights another reason uh, why these 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 passages, these encouraging, hopeful passages in the in the minor prophets are so important, is that it it kind of encourages you to seek out what God really wants. You know, in, in light of all the judgment and all of the uh, condemnation for sin that's in there. It, t- it shows you that, hey, there's, if I can, there, there is a path to do things and actually please God. It's, he's just not going to be upset at me no matter what. He's just not always going to be picking, at, picking on me and, and everything, but that um, his plan is for me to be redeemed and made, made, uh, made whole in him, and that is possible. That's what right. those passages tell us. And yep. so it, I think that does encourage uh, seeking out God's ways and being obedient to them as well. So. That's right. So uh, another thing uh, we really want to spend some time kind of considering and talking about as we go through, through these different books is trying to put ourselves in the shoes of some of these prophets. Now, granted, some of them uh, you'll find we really know little to nothing about these prophets other than, uh, you know, some of them it says at the beginning, you know, who they were, who their, you know, their parents were, sometimes where they're from. Uh, a lot of them it references the time. But there are some where it doesn't even say anything beyond their name, and there's even some you know, like maybe it was a pseudonym, like their name actually means something very specific. So was that their actual name or were they just prophesying under that name because of what it meant? Um, and so some of these, you know, it will, you know, it'll, it'll take on more meaning than others. But remembering that as we read through these books, that these were actual people and these were people that were called to stand against their culture. They were, you know, as the, the people were growing more and more wicked, God was calling them out to stand up and be a voice. And for some of them, it was just delivering that message, uh, which can be challenging enough. But others, as we'll see with Hosea, uh, takes on a very, very profound meaning in his own life by what God called him to do and the example that he was called to live. Uh, and, and so as you if, you, if you read through along with us uh, over the next few weeks, which I encourage you to, uh, really think about that. Think about what it would be like uh, to be a prophet of God in that time. Uh, and, and think about maybe, you know, what it might be like to take on that role today. And, and again, um, it's probably important to pause here and mention that when we're talking about prophets, we're not talking about what uh, oftentimes in today's culture we think of as a prophet or a prophecy where you're, where you're foretelling the future. Uh, it is true that some of these prophets did foretell the future and they did say, this is what's going to happen. You know, Assyria is coming, Babylon is coming, you'll be carried off. Uh, some of them gave very, very specific prophecies about exactly when things were going to happen. Uh, but when we think about prophets, that wasn't the role of a prophet, it wasn't to tell the future. The role of the prophet was to call the people to God. It was to deliver a message for God. And so that's that aspect of it is something that today, I think it's important for us to understand 
that God still needs prophets today in the sense that we need to take the word of God and we need to preach that message and we need to deliver that message and being in, doing it in tune with the spirit, not just, you know, taking a passage out of context and going out on the street corner and, you know, beating people over the head with your Bible. Um, but being in tune with the spirit and being bold enough to speak out uh, on behalf of God and to take that message of hope, um, but also that message of condemnation and the fear of the Lord uh, to a nation that desperately needs it. Uh, so when we talk about a prophet, uh, just keep that in mind. It's it's not so much the, you know, telling uh, the future. Uh, and, you know, that was maybe a, a tool that God used so that we we know from reading back that these were people that were delivering God's word because their prophecies came true about the future. But that wasn't the point. The point was the message, which was what God called them to speak. And then in understanding that God calls us to speak into our culture and our society today. Yeah, that's that's something that that is an interesting way to to look at the prophets as we read through. I mean, can you imagine being in Jonah's shoes and God's asking you to go uh, go preach a message to the um, to your your largest enemies who are really not very good people and go 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 tell them that they need to repent and what would it be like to do that? And I I can you know well I I can kind of see where Jonah's coming from and and then uh, what's really neat is watching how God shapes Jonah and continues to work on Jonah and um, further equips him to do the job in the first place and then even just continues working on his heart and grows him. And I think that uh, God God does the same thing for us today. I know one of the things we're really focusing on this year is every member a minister, and he'll continue to shape us for the ministries he's called us to do uh, just as he shaped the... Um, the prophets for what he called them to do. Um, you know, so, I mean, we've got the verse in Second uh, Corinthians 3 that talks about uh, God making us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Yeah. So, um, let's see. So another thing, too, that we're going to talk about is, you know, the, the nation of Israel, uh, as we go through one of the most important themes that's going to recur through this is this idea of, uh, Israel being a nation, you know, they were, uh, you have the promise going all the way back to Abraham where God promised to, to make them into a great nation. When God finally fulfilled that promise and led the people out of Egypt, uh, you know, you've got this picture of Moses and all the people around Mount Sinai and they, they get this, you know, the, the covenant, not just the 10 commandments, but the, the full law of Moses, uh, delivered. And, you know, the people enter into a commandment with God and they say, you know, yes, Lord, we're going to keep all these things. Um, you know, so there's this theme where you've got uh, the people of Israel, um, you know, as this nation of God. But as we also know that going back to the Abrahamic promise, God's plan was always bigger than that. It wasn't just about the nation of Israel. It was about God blessing the entire world, Jews and Gentiles, through that seed. Um, but we have to remember, though, that, you know, a, a big part of the minor prophets and what they're prophesying is focused on the nation side. It's it's focused on, you know, the the people of Israel being called out to be a people of God. But I think where the hope comes in often and a lot of the, the messianic prophecies start to, to come in is where it starts to foreshadowing of that bigger promise that's coming. Um, so so pay attention to, to, you know, on the one hand, how God expects his nation to act. Uh, so as you see, you know, in a lot of these prophets, are going to kind of lay out God's case against the people. Uh, but also while you're paying attention to that, also pay attention. One of the things that's really struck me is the condemnations laid out against 
the quote unquote, the nations, the other countries uh, or, you know, nations or dynasties that were not a part of that covenant. And one of the things I want you to pay attention to as you read through these is, you know, on the one hand, it's asking that question is, you know, where was God's expectation that these nations were going to abide by all this? Uh, and it kind of goes back to this idea uh, that, you know, we all know in our hearts, God has kind of put his law on our hearts and that even in these other nations that were, you know, had these you know other gods that were not, you know, they God didn't reveal himself to them the way that he did to Israel. God still had an expectation that they were going to treat one another with love uh, that they weren't going to abuse people with their power. Uh, and so, so pay attention to some of those ideas and themes and, you know, specifically what God is judging those other nations for. Uh, because again, it's easy as you read through this to just discard the minor prophets as well. That's just God talking about long time ago, Israel. Yeah. A long time ago. And, and they were under the covenant, the old law. We're not under the old law. Um, and then it's funny cause you know, on the one hand, you can read through all the stuff against Israel and Judah with that in mind. Then you can get to the stuff with the nations and be like, well, I don't care about that because he's not talking about Israel. <laughs> but that's right. Yeah, we, we don't really <laughs> identify with any condemned right. group, <laughs> right. any group that's doing wrong. So, yeah. So, yeah. so as you read through, keep that in mind that, you know, the United States of America, you know, we didn't enter into a covenant with God uh, like Israel did. But just like these other nations, you know, God still expects that we are going to treat each other and that our nation is going to use its authority, its power, uh, you know, again, to to reflect his goodness in the world. And that, you know, just because you're not the nation of Israel and you don't have a covenant with God does not mean that you get a free pass and get to escape judgment. Uh, so so just pay attention to that because it's, it's really interesting when you read through some of those prophets to try to pull that out. You know, again, it's what was important to God. What, what was God actually calling out that these nations were doing? You know, it's, and it's true that, you know, America, we've got a foundation um, that points towards God, but there's a, there's kind of a bigger nation that we are a part of today. And I really like the way that uh, first that Peter puts it in first Peter two verses nine and 10. Um, he says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I just think if you just stop and let that verse soak into you a little bit, um, just, just see the belonging that you have. And when you look at the whole story in the Bible about everything that God has done to make that even possible, in spite of ourselves, that that God wants us to be His possession, and that's that just that ought to blow you away if you really stop and and think about it. And it's it's a beautiful thing. And as we are um, God's nation today, as Christians, uh, you can kind of go on and, and just to, to roughly paraphr- paraphrase the verse eleven and twelve there in First Peter. It says. Uh, we're just supposed to be different from the world, mm-hmm. um, and, and we and and you say, well, how different? Well, we're, we're going to get into that some when we look at at what God's calling the Israelite nation to do. What what is a nation that honors God look like? What do they not do, and what are some of the things that they do do? So that's once with us is so intimate that He uses the most intimate human relationship to to compare it to, and that's that's marriage. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things, as you mentioned, uh, in uh, two weeks when we start into Hosea, uh, that's one of the predominant themes throughout Hosea. And 
that's one of the things for me going through this uh, that's been one of the more profound, you know, uh, epiphanies I guess I've had is, uh, and, and we'll unpack this more when we get there, but you, you really look at, uh, you know, what Paul says, for example, in Ephesians 5 about marriage, where he talks about marriage. He talks about, you know, husband loves your wives as God loves the church, or as Christ loves the church. Um, but then as he goes on talking about marriage, he, he ends that segment by saying, you know, but I'm actually not talking about marriage. I'm talking about Christ and the church. Uh, and it's this idea that, you know, our marriage, you know, that my marriage to Marie, uh, you know, it, it's supposed to be a reflection of God's covenant love for his people. Now, that's, you know, great to read that and say that. But then when you actually read through some of these prophets and you see what the people were doing and you look at that in the context of a marriage, would I still love Marie if she treated me the way that the Israelites treated God? Would I still love her if, you know, she treated me the way that I tr have treated God? Um and that's a really profound realization that we're, we're called to have that kind of love uh, in our marriages. But it also, to me, it's also helped give me or help me draw closer to God in the sense that, you know, when I do start to think of it in those terms, I know very much what it feels like to be hurt uh, and what it feels like to be in that position where, you know, somebody, uh, whether it's marriage or for those that aren't married, you know, you think of your other important relationships, you know, most of us know what it feels like to be betrayed uh, to have somebody that we think cares about us just turn and, you know, and, you know, stab us in the back. Um, but to see God's response to that, uh, it's, it's profound. And when you really think about how much that shows that God loves us and how much he's willing to endure and to suffer on our behalf, uh, it's, it's incredible. And, and so, you know, that, that theme is going to be, you know, constant throughout the minor prophets. And it's going to, rear its head in some pretty uncomfortable ways, um, you know, and right off the bat in Hosea, I think, you know, we're going to encounter, you know, words like uh, whoredom and prostitution and, uh, you know, things like that uh, very, very quickly. And it's uncomfortable, uh, but it's supposed to be because it brings you face to face with the ugliness of sin. Uh, and, 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 so, and James continues that whole analogy uh, in, um, when he, he talks about how friendship with the world is adultery towards God. Right, and it's again, it's it's based, you know, bringing back to that analogy, the marriage relationship that when we're closer to the world, or when we're spending time with the world and not spending time with God, I mean, how would you feel if your if your wife did that, right? Right. It's, um, and uh, one of the, you know, another another theme that kind of comes up pretty repeatedly, the whole reason that God needed to send the prophets is because the people were kind of uh, maybe in, in a, forgetting God. I guess it would be a way to put it, and and we're kind of being like, well, I we're, no, we we. God should be pleased, I and mean, we're we're uh, we go to all the feasts and the festivals, and uh, we worship Him. And and the prophets come, and they said, "Well, yeah, but you're also worshiping Baal, and you're you're not being just. You're not taking care of the of of the people that are my people who are made in my image, your brothers." And uh, there's some challenges there, and most of the people didn't hear it at the right. time. Uh, I, I assume some did. There were some some hearts that uh, were were swayed by the prophets, but in general, they were pretty unsuccessful. Right. Um, and that, that's a challenge for us today to know that our tendency is to ignore the correction mm -hmm. um, and that in order to please God more, in order to be a more faithful partner with God, that we need to be um, have tender ears and hear, the, hear these words of correction and, and admonition and um, let it motivate us to, uh, 
to correct sin and to, and to, to confront sin and, and to, to say, well, God, what, what, what do you want us to do in this situation, God? Yeah. And you also kind of touched on another really important point, which is, you know, we need to see our relationship with God as just that, as a relationship. And you think about a marriage, you know, those of us that are married, you know that if you don't listen to your wife, if you don't accept correction, uh, you know, when she says you're messed up, you're doing something wrong, if you, if you don't listen, uh, you know, it, your marriage is not going to go well. And on the on the, the flip side of that, too, is, you know, if you just ignore your wife and just kind of do your own thing and don't actually communicate, don't spend time talking, you know, like building a relationship takes an effort and it's a communication process. It, it involves trust. And, you know, you have to trust an individual, not just expect them to trust you all the time. And so. And, and sincerity is really important, yeah. too. Uh, you can say all the right things, but um, I don't know. I don't know about Marie, but Rebecca's really good at knowing when I'm just kind of going through the motions. <laughs> yeah. she, she's called me on it. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, wow. You know, OK, yeah, you're, you're right about that. I mean, I really do feel that way, but I, I wasn't showing it at that yeah. point or. Yeah, maybe I need to be showing you um, that I love you more with, with the time and, and how I how I make my choices throughout the day. Yeah. So so who knew that reading through the minor prophets could actually make you a better husband, a better spouse? That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but there's there's great uh, marital advice uh, buried in there if you just uh, dig a little bit. So um, so one of the things that we're going to look at, you know, and just to kind of give a, a quick rundown of some of these books, but you know, we're going to learn some really important things about God. Um, you know, we're going to learn in Hosea that God wants our love, uh, you know, and the, the lengths that he'll go to, uh, in Obadiah, it's a very different book, but it's going to, you know, you're going to learn the importance of not gloating over your enemy's misfortunes. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll unpack these a little bit more, uh, Amos, you know, this theme of taking care of others, being just valuing truth. That's the, you know, very similar to what we see in Micah, you know, take care of others, be just value truth, righteousness, uh, Nahum, again, this idea of taking care of others, valuing truth. And just a reminder, Nahum's the one we were talking about. This was uh, prophecy to Nineveh, uh, for, uh, foreshadowing the fall of Nineveh, the fall of the Assyrian Empire. Uh, this was not Israel. This was not a nation that was founded with a covenant to God, but there was still an expectation that they would take care of others, that they would value truth, honesty. Uh, but I think one of the most important messages, and it's a message that I think we need to hear today, uh, more than in, you know, uh, times past. And it's this idea that God is in control. Uh, it's this idea that, you know, if you haven't already started to see some of the headlines in the news about, you know, this person says that, you know, coronavirus is God judging the nations or Israel and, you know, the locust plagues and this and that, you know, it, you don't have to look far before you see that stuff. And, you know, I'm going to say, I'm not going to speak. I haven't, I don't have a, a divine message along those lines from God. So I'm not going to comment on, on that. Um, but it, it really, in a sense, it, for us, it doesn't matter. Um, what matters is that God is in control and that God will use, uh, these times, these, these challenges that we're going through, God will use them for good and he will use these times to glorify his name. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we willing to surrender and are we willing to trust God to follow him and to take advantage of each day that he gives us as a gift from him? And say, you know, ask those questions. What can I do today to glorify God? What can I do to bless those around me, to love those around me, to be a light to those around me, um, and and not get caught up in you know the geopolitical mess of today, uh, because that's you know that's that's God's challenge. Pray about it. Pray about the leaders, absolutely. But at the end of the day, um, you have your sphere of influence. 
Uh, and so the question is, are you honoring God with those relationships and, and those important people? Um, so one of the, you know, I'll add to that. One of the, the beautiful things that we see, that's the sort of thing God does is he takes messes that people have made and he turns them around and makes something beautiful out of it. And, yeah. you know, just, uh, and again, that's kind of getting back to the hope elements that there are in these books, but just that he can take a sin of a nation that's so bad that he has to enslave them and make them uh, exiles in a foreign land. Uh, and he can take that and, and, and predict a day when people will come come to me of their own, own accord and we will be able to once again have the true right relationship that I've meant to have all along. That's what God does. And he, he does it on a macro level and he also does it on a micro level in our individual lives. And he's not giving up on us and he's, he's going to keep wooing us and keep trying to win us um, to being the people that, that he's always made us to be. Yep. All right. So uh, that's all we have for uh, today. Uh, so next week, uh, join us again. We're going to uh, spend a little bit of time before we dive into the text. We're going to spend some time talking about the, the history, uh, both of Israel and some of the surrounding nations that, that really start to impact the, the history there. Uh, so if you don't like history, uh, I still encourage you to check it out. Uh, it's, you know, I've never really been big into history myself, but I've, I found it utterly fascinating as I've had the time to dig into some of this stuff to really understand how all these different nations kind of work together, why some of these were uh, more important than others in some of these prophecies. Uh, and it is incredibly fascinating. But more importantly, it's this idea that, you know, context is very, very important. So as we get into these uh, minor prophets that we're going to look at, uh, this will kind of help set the stage so we understand why they were communicating what they were communicating, who the audience was, what they would have been going through when they heard it. Uh, and, and I think for me, one of the most things that's been most interesting is, is how similar some of those circumstances were to what we're going through today. So again, uh, on behalf of uh, the church here, we, we thank you for tuning in. Uh, of course, we, we miss you guys. We wish that we could actually be uh, in the, the class teaching, having that face-to-face -face interaction. And uh, one of the things I enjoy the most about the, the teaching these classes is the discussion uh, and so I, you know, feel blessed to be able to discuss all this with Jonathan, but uh, I miss the rest of you. <laughs> uh, but again, thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, hopefully your, your appetite is ready to go and you'll enjoy this looking into the minor prophets with us. All right.